You're listening to a CFCC audio podcast. For news and service times, visit www.cfccnet.org. Well, good morning, all. Thanks for your patience. Getting started a little late this morning. We welcome you to Sci-Fair Christian Church. Good to have you all here with us this morning to worship the Lord. Why don't you stand, find somebody around you, say hello, and we'll continue with our service. Life would be a lot different if we were all by ourselves, wouldn't it? But life is better together, and we come together as the body of Christ for a purpose. We were meant to be in community with one another. The church is where we find our gifts. The church is where we're encouraged. The church is where we are pushed forward in our faith. The church is where we're discipled. And at Cypher Christian Church, that happens best in life groups. Our life groups are going to be kicking off here in the next couple of weeks, And we have lots of them available to you to sign up to be a part of. These groups are available for 8 to 10 weeks. And they have a variety of different topics, different teachers, different days of the week. We have men's groups. We have women's groups. We have mixed groups. We have groups for parents. We even have groups for teenagers that are going to be meeting on Sunday mornings. Really want to encourage you to be a part of the group and to receive the fullness of what the church has to offer. We're not perfect. The church isn't full of perfect people by no means, but we've all received the grace and the forgiveness of Jesus Christ. And this is really where we grow in our faith. And so I encourage you to sign up for uh, life groups. Uh, next week is going to be the last Sunday. So make sure you sign up. Some of them are, have limited space. So make sure you check them out You can sign up on our app, you can sign up online, or you can sign up right there in the foyer uh, today. So uh, the other thing I want to announce is that uh, we are going to have a fall fest. We're really excited about this on October 28th, Sunday afternoon at 4 p.m. We're going to have a a fall festival. There's going to be trunk or treat. There's going to be carnival games. There's going to be popcorn. There's cotton candy. There's face painting. There's a petting zoo. There's all kinds of fun stuff that's going to be happening at this fall festival, one of which is a chili cook-off. All right? So how many of you out there have a secret chili recipe? All right, we got a few people out there. We're looking for teams to participate in the chili cook-off. We're looking for, um, for, for teams of people, and they're going to be judged on their, uh, the, 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 the chili. They're going to be judged on their booth that they set up and judged on the team name. So even if your chili is terrible, you still have a chance to win. So sign up outside at the welcome desk. You'll see some signs there for the chili cook-off. You can talk to Steve Skidmore. He's going to be Uh, organizing that. So again, we are so grateful that you're here, so grateful that you're a part of our worship here today. Won't you stand as we begin our worship? Our offering is always just a portion of our worship. It's another way in which we worship the Lord. And so as we give this morning, uh, would you give as a form of worship, as an offering to the Lord, a sacrifice of praise to him, for all that he's done for us. Would you pray with me? Father, we do come, and as cheerful givers, Lord, we we come to you with these tiny gifts. We know that you are an infinite God full of majesty and splendor. Lord, you own the universe. You hold 
this world in your hands. And we know that these offerings, Lord, are measly, uh, tiny little gifts. But Lord, we pray like little children that these gifts that we give to you would be a, a delight to you, that you would, you would love them, you would cherish them because they come from our hearts. And so, Lord, we, we acknowledge, Father, that you are uh, our source and our provision and the provider of every good thing in our life, every blessing. And so out of our gratitude, out of our thanksgiving, Lord, we offer these gifts to you. Would you bless them in the name of Jesus? Amen. Good morning. Good to see you all here today. Good to hear your voice behind me as I was standing there, all the voices that fill this room glorifying the Lord together. It's good to be with you here today. It's good to celebrate our Savior and good to gather around the Word. And today we're going to be continuing our sermon series called Sent. We are a sent people. Uh, Jesus Christ formed the church not for us to just stay huddled together, but to send us out into the world. And so that's what this series is all about. And it started in the book of Acts last week. We learned about the day of Pentecost, Acts chapter 2, when all of the people had gathered together from all different regions. And there at that moment, all gathered people speaking different languages from different regions, the Holy Spirit fell upon them at Pentecost, like a rushing wind, scripture says, it blew through. And in that moment, they were unified, unified in one heart and one mind, in one voice, in one language. They all understood one another, no matter where they were from. So it's this beautiful picture of the church really being born and and coming together, being in harmony and unified in thought and mind, and man, how easy it would have been for them to stay together in that moment, just to, just to circle around and pray with one another and encourage one another and love on one another and share with one another. Well, that's not what happened. The church, unfortunately, since then has a history of us sort of gathering together in our holy huddles and being sort of an exclusive club of people, really sort of stiff-arming a lot of outsiders. But that's not what happened in the book of Acts. That's not what happened here. We're going to find out here in Acts 3 that the exact opposite had, had happened. The exact opposite happened. Luke, who wrote the book of Acts, actually goes to great lengths to remind us that the church gathers to scatter. Our church gathers to scatter, our gathering to break the bread together. We take communion here every Sunday. We gather together to break the bread with one another, to remember the sacrifice of Jesus, to celebrate the life we have in him. Our gathering around the word, our gathering to worship together and to pray with one another is in no way a detour around the misery of the world. It's in no way um, us trying to avoid what's happening outside of these walls, outside in the world. If anything, the assembly of the body of Christ to worship together, to pray with one another, to take communion with one another, 
sends us out on a path directly into to misery and suffering to provide the world healing. In the path of a Christ follower, for us, we have to remember then, is not a path around suffering and misery. It's a path directly into suffering and misery. And so in Acts 3, we find Peter and John going straight toward the suffering. They're leaving the comfort of their holy huddles and going out into the world and they take the gospel into the streets. And not only will they encounter suffering of many kinds along the way, but the exchange that they have with a crippled man here at the temple gates is going to catapult them into a new chapter of persecution and really growth for the church. This leaving of of the the body of, of Christ and going out into the world, this moment, this exchange that they have today is going to start a new chapter and it's going to begin a new chapter of suffering for themselves as well. But be assured that Christ's kingdom, though his church will be persecuted, Christ's glory will still be seen and his kingdom will still be expanded. So we're gonna read today in Acts chapter three, verse one. If you've got it in your, your Bible there in the back of the pew, or if you've, you're looking at it on your device, you can go there. I'm going to be reading out of the ESV version. And I, I thought about different ways I could go about this. I think I'm just going to read the passage here, and then we're going to go back through and, and sort of look at it a little bit at a time. So verse 3, Acts 3 says, Now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. And this is about 3 p.m., for us in our, the way that we tell time. And a man lame from birth was being carried whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple that is called the beautiful gate to ask alms of those entering the temple. Seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked to receive alms. He, wanted, he was asking for money, a gift And Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John, and said, look at us. And he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I have no silver and gold, but what I do have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and raised him up, and immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. And leaping up, he stood and began to walk and entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. And when I read this story, I'm reminded of a a college uh, pastor, a a pastor of college students, um, who says that when, when school starts, the attendance in their college ministry triples but the offering only increases by about $17. He said at one point, uh, one broke college student actually put a bacon, egg, and cheese biscuit in the offering basket and said, silver or gold, have I not, but such as I have, I give to you. That's kind of a funny story here, but this passage is no joke for us. Again, this was about the ninth hour in the day, would translate to about 3 p.m. for us, the hour of prayer, it says, that Peter and John made their way 
to the temple for prayer. This was a, a daily rhythm for people. Peter and John knew that they would be going to the temple to pray, but they also knew that all of these other people would be going there as well, and it would be an opportunity for them to witness, an opportunity for them to share the gospel. And so here, uh, Peter encounters this man. What the text implies is this man was there every single day. And so these good Jews would pass by this person every day, and it was likely that Peter saw, Peter and John saw this man every single day. And here, Peter has an exchange with him. This, this man had been crippled from birth. He had never walked in his whole life, which makes this, this story all the more astounding. He had never actually even taken a step. He was totally dependent. This man was totally dependent on his friends. Think about, put yourself in his place. He was totally dependent on other people to take him places, to provide for him. He wasn't able to work for himself. He definitely wasn't able to worship because of his affliction. He wasn't able to enter into the temple. And so he was completely dependent on people. Not This guy wasn't just broke. He was broken. He was a broken man without hope, probably humiliated on a daily basis. And so he's sitting there at the entrance of what they call the beautiful gate. We're not exactly, exactly sure where the beautiful gate was, but it was likely it was between the court of the women and the court of the men. And so he was there where all of these people would pass by him. There were three, three pillars in the Jewish faith. And one was the Torah, the word of God. One was worship and one was showing kindness or giving alms to the poor. And so there this man sits, hoping to be able to take advantage of the generosity of these people who are going into and coming out of the temple to worship and that they might be moved by God to give him some money there. So it takes advantage of that location there, right there at the entrance of this beautiful gate. It was likely that it was very beautiful. Bronze colonnades and, and adorned and all kinds of artistry around it. It reminds me of a, um, a woman. We just recently returned from Sicily to do some street ministry there in one of the cities. And I was reminded as we entered in, there was a big sort of, there's lots of different squares there were people gathered together and fountains and statues and that kind of thing. And surrounding the squares is likely always going to be a church. And at one of these squares, at the Elephant Square, they called it, because of a particular statue, there was a basilica there. And we found ourselves wandering into the basilica. The doors were open. And of course, there's all kinds of artwork and beautiful sculptures and things to see inside of this. So it's open and people are coming in and out to see the artwork and to pray and to be a part of the masses. And there was a woman there as we entered, this, this beggar woman, and it was almost like a picture out of, of uh, the Renaissance era. I mean, she, the way that she was dressed, she was just in rags and she had her head covered and her face was so weathered. I mean, she obviously spent all of her days out in the sun doing this day by day. Her hands were sort of riddled with arthritis and she was speaking in Italian, asking for people to, to give to her. 
And there were throngs of people, myself included, walking right past this woman, going into this church, see all of this beautiful artistry and these invaluable paintings and, and, and priceless works of art to worship there in the presence of God. And we're walking right past this woman, really not even paying attention to her. And it reminded me that we can go about our religious activities, we can go about our prayer and our worship in such a way that we ignore the needs that are right in front of us. We ignore the, 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 the hurting and the brokenhearted and those needs that are right there before us. But because we're so focused on our own religious activities, our own sort of rituals and our own routines, that we don't even take time to pay attention. And so, so there sits this man there at the beautiful gate as people are ignoring him all day long. So put yourself in his shoes. Put your, your mind there in that moment. What would you do if you were paralyzed, if you had never walked, if you had never taken a step? You couldn't, you couldn't work for a living you couldn't provide for yourself, you would likely probably be at the same place he was, asking for help, begging for money. We would all stretch out our hands to ask for change. But the truth is, we all need a different kind of change. We all need a different kind of change because all of us are disabled in some way. Carissa led worship a couple of weeks ago as we sang all the poor and powerless and talked about this. We are the ones who are poor and powerless. It's not just those without money. It's not just those who have suffered indignities at the hands of the government. We are the poor and the powerless. We're crippled spiritually because we don't love Christ with our whole hearts. We're not living the life the abundant life that he's called us to. And some of, this are this, some of us in this room right now are stretching out our hand for something from the Lord. We're stretching out our hand for a spouse, for a husband or a wife or a marriage partner, someone to share our, our life with. We're stretching out our hand for a new job, for promotion, for purpose at our work. We're asking God to give it to us. We're stretching out our hands to the Lord for a child. A child who we think will meet the satisfaction and the longing that we have in our hearts. And while none of these things are necessarily wrong, none of them are wrong, God has something greater in store for me and for you today. He's got something greater for us. We're like this man in this story who thinks he needs nickels and dimes. He thinks he needs somebody to fill that coffer with his change. He had little hope and he definitely didn't have a vision. He didn't really see what God wanted for him. He only wanted what he thought he needed. So it's important for us to to acknowledge at least that the human heart will always seek satisfaction in something other than Jesus. Our hearts will always be pulled in other directions to places that we think will satisfy this longing down deep inside us. Last spring, our men's ministry held a crawfish boil. 
And we had a guest speaker named Chad Hedrick, who was an Olympic athlete. It was a, a really great event, but it was just for the men. And I'm still getting grief from my wife about this one. I wasn't sure if it was because she wanted the crawfish or if she wanted to meet Chad Hedrick. I'm not sure. But at any rate, we were there and he gave us his testimony. This is a guy who, who won 93 national championships and 50 world championships in inline skating. He was on top of the world as a teenager. He had sponsorships from all of these, uh, the, the, from a, a, um, a company that made these inline roller skates. But he knew that inline skating wasn't all that he wanted. He had always had a dream to be an Olympic gold medalist. And so before the 2006 Olympics in Torino, Italy, he had an opportunity to try out for the uh, speed skating team, for the U.S. speed skating team. And so he put on ice skates for the very first time, and he told the story. It failed miserably. But within only a short amount of time, I'm talking just a couple of years here, he was one of the best in the world. And he had his chance to represent the United States in Torino at the gold medal platform. And so in his final relay race, he fought a guy, or didn't fight him, he raced a guy named Sven Kramer from Finland and actually beat the number one ranked speed skater in the world in this event. Ended up winning several medals. And he told us that his life had been spent in pursuit of this gold medal thousands of hours skating, thousands of hours devoted to his dream and the pursuit of this medal. And when he stood up there on the platform as the national anthem played, he asked himself, is this all there is? Is is that it? Eventually got burned out completely from speed skating because it didn't satisfy this need in his heart, this desire in his heart. It wasn't until he had an encounter with Jesus and was born again and saved that he found a purpose and he found a satisfaction in knowing Christ that he had never known in all of those thousands of hours of pursuing that one dream. So what is it that you're searching after? What is it that you're pursuing? What do you think you need to satisfy the craving in your heart, the thirst in your heart? This this man here who's sitting outside the beautiful gate thinks he only needs his physical needs met, but his true satisfaction will ultimately found in Jesus. Some things are more precious than silver and gold. And that's what this man is about to find out here in just a few moments. And so Peter fixes his eyes. Peter and John fix their eyes on this man. They fasten their attention to him. How often do you avert your eyes from people in need? How often do you avoid and dodge and look away? Why do we do that? Why do we do that? It's because we don't want the responsibility We don't want the responsibility of that person's needs, that person's burdens. 
Peter and John here, Peter in this moment specifically wants that man to see him. He wants the man to see him. And not only that, he wants the man to know that he is seen. And so he says a powerful phrase, three words. He says, look at us. Look at us. He almost has to say it to get this man's attention because he's so used to being ignored as these throngs of people pass by him. Peter had passed this man by day after day, day after day. But today, when he looked at him on this day, something happened. Jesus had done a work in Peter. Jesus had done something in Peter and he knew it. I don't know exactly how it played out in his heart, but Peter knew it for sure. And he said to this man, he says, today I have something special for you that I want to give to you. Jesus has given me the faith to speak healing into your life and I want to share this healing with you here today. When you're going about your day, the mundane tasks, getting ready for work, gathering up all of your things, getting in the car, driving, going to lunch, passing people there, walking by cubicles, washing dishes, working on your children's homework with them. Are you listening to the voice of God? Are you attentive to the Holy Spirit's voice in your life as you're doing these things? Would you know his voice if he were to speak to you? Or do you drown it out? Do you fill it with anxious activities? Do you avoid it at all costs? Do you keep busy? Do you keep distracted? Do you keep a device in front of you at all times? Do you binge Netflix to avoid the silence, to avoid the listening, the waiting on the Lord's voice? I want to remind you that as a sent people, we're not sent alone. We don't go out into the world by ourselves, but we go out with the presence of the Holy Spirit at all times with us, comforting us, protecting us, guiding us, speaking to us. Jesus says in Matthew 28, he says it right here, he says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And he says this, he says, behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Are you aware of Jesus's presence through the Holy Spirit each day as you go about your tasks? He's speaking to you. He's whispering to you. He's guiding you. He's challenging you. If we're to be a people who obey the Lord, we have to be a people who are listening to the Lord. Jesus says, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. Do you hear his voice? He says, I give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. Are you listening to the voice of the shepherd? And so Peter hears the voice of the spirit and gives this man the gift of healing in the name of Jesus. In the biblical sense, a name was much more than just a, a label. It represents a person 
represents a person and is an extension of that person and their personality. It, is, it, it invokes their authority. It invokes the power that they have. And so Peter, as he, he speaks the name of Jesus, he calls upon Jesus' authority and power. In a sense, Jesus, through Peter, is continuing his healing ministry through him. And so reaching out, Peter grabs this man's hand and says, in the name of Jesus of Nazareth, rise and get up. And think about that moment. Think about that moment. What must have been going through this man's head at the time? His parents, his parents didn't have any, any memories of him taking his first steps. He had never entered into the temple with others to worship and to praise. But as Peter grabs his hand, scripture tells us that his feet and his ankles were made strong right before everyone's eyes, right before their eyes. Just a moment ago, the man's legs were lifeless. But as the name of Jesus entered the halls of that temple, he leaps to his feet. And Luke uses a word for leap that is very rare and happens, I think, not coincidentally in Isaiah chapter 35. It says this, Isaiah the prophet speaking of the messianic age, speaking a prophecy of Jesus says, then the eyes of the blind shall be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then shall the lame leap like a deer. And the tongue of the mute sing for joy, for waters break forth in wilderness and streams in the desert. Immediately, this man's ankles and feet became strong, and he leaps to his feet and enters into the temple praising God. For the first time, he's been deemed worthy enough to be allowed to enter into the house of worship. Think about the joy that this man experienced in that moment. And so there's something important here. I think there's a principle here for us to recognize that those who are rejected as unworthy find full acceptance in the name of Jesus. And the power in the name of Jesus. Whether you're a crippled beggar, whether you're a blind man, whether you're a criminal, whether you're a tax collector, no matter how unworthy you think you are, you have been deemed worthy by Jesus Christ himself. Worthy to enter in to his courts and into his presence. And it says this in verse nine, and all the people saw him walking and praising God and recognized this man as the one who sat at the beautiful gate of the temple asking for alms, asking for help. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to them. And so in the closing verses of this chapter, Peter has a captive audience. Everyone sees this. This man, later on, the verses tell us that this man was around 40 years old. And so at least for 30 years, he had been sitting at at this, this place, maybe. I mean, for decades, he had been sitting in this place. And all these people knew them, and they were filled with wonder and amazement. And Peter knows that he has a captive audience. And so he takes the people from the wonder to the word, the word made flesh. 
He doesn't just sort of wrap up things and say, my work is done here. He points them to Jesus. This wonder that God had worked through him was a living picture. It was a living parable in a sense of what Christ has done in your heart. What Christ has done in your life. He's, he's opened your eyes. He's, he's given you the ability to, to leap and to spring up and to walk and to be alive again. And you're going to hear more about the second portion of this passage next week as we look at chapter four. But I want you to, to think about what it is that God has done through Jesus Christ in your life, how he has healed you. Might God do something like this, this miracle among us today? Might he heal physically among us here today? Yes, he might do that. The miracles of of the apostles were rare and they were unique, but he still does miracles through his people in particular moments all around the world. There's stories right now of these refugees that are coming from North Africa to Sicily having never heard the name of Jesus or Isa and they're having dreams and visions of him and coming to know Christ. There are stories of people being miraculously healed in the underground church all over the world. Missionaries often see these kind of miracles on a regular basis. Have we had healings in our own church? Yes. Marcus Eldridge, many of you know Marcus, who's suffered from a lifelong kidney disease. After a a prayer meeting here one night, went for his yearly follow-up and discovered it was gone. He had been healed. And to this day, still is. Jordan Sikora, when he was about eight years old, climbing on an entertainment center and a 160-pound television fell on top of him and crushing him. He was lifelighted to the hospital and prayers immediately went out from this church. Seven hours later, the doctors couldn't find anything wrong with him. They were astounded that his chest cavity had not been crushed. And he was totally fine. These kinds of things even happen in our, our own community. But whether it happens in a physical way where God heals us now in the present or he heals us in the future at the resurrection, the point is not for us to be focused on the wonder, but for us to be focused on Jesus He is the source of our healing, our ultimate healing. I want to read to you one more passage of scripture. Isaiah 53 says, surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Isaiah, again, speaking of Jesus and his suffering, he says, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities and upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. All we, like sheep, have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. You see, all of us are are disabled in some way. All of us are 
are poor in some way, but the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. The purpose of the suffering and the purpose of the healing is all to point to Jesus. And today I pray that your heart wouldn't be focused on whatever it is that you need, whatever it is that you're holding your hand out for, whatever it is that you think that you will give you the satisfaction that you're searching for and looking for, but your focus is on Jesus, that you fix your eyes on him, that you fasten your attention to him, and that you would rise up, that you would leap to your feet, that you would spring up and worship the Lord before all, that you'd enter his house with joy and thanksgiving, and that all would see the power of God in your life. Would you pray with me? Gracious Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you for an opportunity to come around your word, to worship you, Lord, to sing of your greatness in our life, to sing of your power in our life. Lord, we know that you are able, that you are capable. And Lord, we have these needs that we're holding out to you right now. We have these desires, but Lord, we acknowledge that you are the only one who knows what's best for us. You are the only one who can satisfy us. So like little children, we, we ask for healing, Lord, in these areas, in physical healing. If there are those who are suffering here today, those who are hurting here today, Lord, I pray that, that they would come to you and ask for healing. If there were those who are suffering in an emotional way, who have a desire, a thirst, maybe it's for a, for a spouse, maybe it's, for, maybe it's for, for peace in their workplace or their they're dissatisfied in, in what they're doing. If it's, Lord, for a child, whatever it is, Lord, I pray that you would meet that need. But Lord, we know ultimately you want to point us to Jesus. And so we believe in faith, Lord, that you are capable of healing us. You are capable of meeting these needs. But we fix our eyes today, not on the wonder but on the word of God made flesh, Jesus Christ. We bend our gaze toward you. We thank you, Lord, for your presence in our lives. Let us not forget it. As we go through our day, the mundane tasks, would we be attentive to your voice like Peter there, walking a path that he had walked many, many times before, But let us be aware of your presence in our lives so that we may be used by you, God. That the glory of God through Jesus Christ by the power of your Holy Spirit might go out through us into the people around us and transform their lives, Lord, so that they might rise up. So they might spring up and know you as we do, Lord. Speak to us, O God, and may we have the ears to hear. We pray all these things in Jesus' name, amen. I want to invite you to participate in communion this morning. Our servers are going to come forward. We take communion every single Sunday here at Cypher Christian Church by dipping the bread. So you take the piece of bread, 
They'll say, this is the body of Christ broken for you and dip it in the cup as they say, this is the blood of Christ shed for you. You know, the ancient church, the first century church, had a format in which they would worship together. They would worship together and then they would move in to the, to the word and then from there, they would take communion and it would send them out into the world. Worship, word, and into the world. We gather together to be encouraged, to be lifted up, to be reminded of the glory of God and Jesus Christ who's living within us. But it's not for our purposes alone. We are a sent people living with the presence of God in our lives. And so as you take communion here today, as we worship here today, may you be reminded of these things so that you can be sent into the world. The the church service is, is not a landing pad, it's a launching pad. This gathering of people is so that we might be catapulted into the world to show them the same grace, the same forgiveness, the same love that we've experienced through Jesus Christ. Would you pray with me as I bless our Lord's Supper time and she would come forward. Father, again, use this time as we receive of these emblems, these symbols, may we, may we be reminded of the gift of healing that you've provided in our lives. That no matter what comes of this life, we are We are hard-pressed on every side. Though we might be persecuted, though though we might be poor and afflicted, Lord, nothing can separate us from the love of God through Christ Jesus our Lord. May this compel us to live out of that thanksgiving. Bless this time, Lord, as we receive your supper here today. It may be a blessing to us as it is to you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. I invite you to come forward. I invite you guys as we continue worshiping together to continue to pray. Our prayer partners are up here. We're gonna continue to be in a posture of prayer. If you need healing in your life, healing from a wound, healing of a disease or something in a physical nature, we invite you to come forward and let us pray on your behalf. The Lord answers our prayers. Whether he answers them in the way that we want may not always happen, but the Lord hears the prayers of his people. He asks us, he encourages us, he calls us to be a people of prayer, to not be afraid to pray as little children. And so our prayer partners are available up here to continue to to pray with you, to pray on your behalf, to intercede for you or for someone else. Maybe you know that you are living a life apart from Jesus and you want this, you want to spring up, you want to rise up like this lame man who was sitting at the beautiful gate. Jesus is available to you today. And we'd like nothing more then to introduce you to him. So our prayer partners are available to pray with you if you want to accept Christ here this morning. Whatever decision that you have to make, we 
encourage you to make it. Would you stand with us? who have an anxious heart be strong fear not then the eyes of the blind shall be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped then shall the lame man leap like a deer and the tongue of the mute sing for joy for waters break forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert the burning sand shall become a pool and the thirsty ground springs of water and the haunts of jackals where they lie down the grass shall become reeds and rushes Highway shall be there, and it shall be called the way of holiness. The unclean shall not pass over it, it shall belong to those who walk on the way. Even if they are fools, they shall not go astray. No lion will be there, nor shall any ravenous beast come upon it. They shall not be found there, but the redeemed shall walk there, and the ransomed of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with singing. Everlasting joy shall be upon their heads and they shall obtain gladness and joy and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. Lord God in heaven, we thank you that ultimate healing, ultimate restoration, ultimate peace, ultimate joy, ultimate satisfaction is only found in you. As we go out of this place, may we not be fixed upon our own suffering. May we not be fixed upon just the miracle. Lord, may we be fixed on Jesus. Make it so, God. We pray these things in his name. The power, the majesty of his name, the glory of his name, and the healing power of his name, and the splendor of his name. Lift him up. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. God bless you. Go in peace.